Hello and welcome to this podcast. I am Dr. Gerard Kreiner, Professor and Chair, Department of Thoracic Medicine and Surgery at the Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I am Dr. Jill Ohar, Professor of Medicine at the Wake Forest University School of Medicine in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We will be discussing some important American Thoracic Society or ATS clinical practice guidelines for the pharmacologic treatment of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, commonly known as COPD. This podcast is sponsored by Behringer Ingelheim Pharmaceuticals Incorporated. The American Thoracic Society works to improve health worldwide by advancing research, clinical care, and public health in respiratory disease, critical illness, and sleep disorders. One of the ways they do this is to publish clinical care guidelines based on the most current research findings and data at the time. Dr. Kreiner, would you like to get started? Thanks, Dr. Ohar. COPD is a commonly encountered disease, which causes persistent respiratory symptoms and airflow limitation. In the coming decades, the prevalence of COPD is projected to be on the rise. COPD is associated with a significant economic burden and is a leading cause of global morbidity and mortality. The primary goals of COPD treatment are reduction of symptoms and future risk of exacerbations. The ATS panel has formulated their most recent treatment guidelines using the grading of recommendations assessment, development, and evaluation methodology and currently available evidence. ATS currently has six recommendations on the pharmacologic treatment of stable COPD, and each of these recommendations has been classified per the strength, for example, strong or conditional, and certainty of evidence, such as moderate, low, or very low certainty. The ATS first recommends the use of combination or dual therapy with a long-acting beta agonist and a long-acting muscarinic antagonist over monotherapy. Secondly, the use of triple therapy, which is the addition of inhaled corticosteroids to dual bronchodilator therapy is recommended for certain patients who remain symptomatic despite dual bronchodilator therapy use. The third ATS recommendation centers around the withdrawal of inhaled corticosteroids in patients free of exacerbations for a year. In the fourth recommendation, the ATS does not make a recommendation for or against inhaled corticosteroid use as an additive therapy to long-acting bronchodilators in patients with COPD and blood eosinophilia, with some exceptions. In the fifth recommendation, the ATS advises against the use of maintenance oral corticosteroid therapy in patients with COPD in a history of severe and frequent exacerbations despite otherwise optimal therapy. And finally, for the last recommendation, the ATS suggests the use of opioid-based therapy in some patients as part of a personalized shared decision-making process. You can access the complete document via the ATS website under the ATS official document section, choosing COPD as a therapeutic area. In the first recommendation, the ATS panel strongly recommends using combination bronchodilator therapy with a long-acting beta agonist or LABA 
and a long-acting Muscarinic antagonist, or LAMA, over LABA or LAMA monotherapy for patients with COPD who complain of dyspnea or exercise intolerance, measured by the transition dyspnea index or the COPD assessment test. This recommendation to initiate pharmacologic treatment with dual bronchodilator therapy is an important one, since physicians have been typically using bronchodilator monotherapy to initiate treatment. The evidence for this recommendation was compiled using 24 randomized controlled trials, which included about 45,000 patients. Treatment with dual therapy demonstrated a statistically significant decrease in COPD exacerbations and hospitalizations compared with monotherapy. In addition to statistical significance, the ATS also looked at the meaningful clinically important difference, abbreviated MCID, which is a threshold that when met or exceeded is considered meaningful to the patient, or in other words, it's a change that the patient notices or feels. Although MCID was not reached, dual therapy showed statistically significant improvements in dyspnea and quality of life compared with monotherapy. Interestingly, the panel noted that if a physician prescribed two separate long-acting bronchodilator inhalers rather than a single combination inhaler, patients may have to deal with increased complexity and burden of medication use. Dr. Kreiner, what does the ATS panel recommend regarding the use of triple therapy in patients with COPD? According to the second ATS recommendation, in patients with COPD who complain of dyspnea or exercise intolerance despite treatment with dual bronchodilator therapy and have a history of one or more exacerbations in the past year requiring antibiotics or oral steroids or hospitalization, the use of triple therapy with the addition of inhaled corticosteroids or ICS is recommended. However, this recommendation to use ICS plus LABA plus LAMA is a conditional one with moderate certainty evidence. Dr. Kreiner, now that we have talked about use of triple therapy, does the panel make any recommendations about withdrawal of inhaled corticosteroids and treatment of patients with high blood eosinophils? In fact, the third recommendation discusses withdrawal of ICS in patients using triple therapy. The panel recommends that ICS can be withdrawn in patients who are receiving triple therapy if the patient has had no exacerbations in the past year. Available evidence demonstrates that withdrawal of ICS is not associated with a statistically significant difference in the risk of pneumonia, all-cause mortality, or risk of COPD exacerbation. However, there is a need for adequately powered, well-designed studies to confirm these findings. Future research should aim at evaluating patients with different exacerbation severities and blood eosinophil counts, including those with asthma COPD overlap. The fourth recommendation talks about the management of patients with high blood eosinophil levels, and the ATS panel does not specifically make any recommendation for or against ICS as an additive therapy 
to long-acting bronchodilators in patients with COPD and blood eosinophilia defined as at least 2% of blood eosinophils or at least 150 cells per microliter. However, ICS is suggested as an additive therapy for those patients with a history of one or more exacerbations in the past year requiring antibiotics or oral steroids or hospitalization. In light of this recommendation, it would be prudent to have future studies aimed at determining the relevance of bloody eosinophil counts and their correlation with treatment response. Dr. Ahar, would you like to talk about the guidance provided by the ATS regarding the use of oral corticosteroid therapy and opioid-based therapy? Sure, Dr. Kreiner. In patients with COPD and a history of severe and frequent exacerbations, despite otherwise optimal therapy, the fifth recommendation advises against using maintenance oral corticosteroid therapy. Available evidence shows that oral maintenance steroid therapy does not improve clinical outcomes and that chronic treatment is associated with a potential for harm. The panel was convinced that in patients with COPD, having frequent and severe exacerbations, the benefit of maintenance oral steroid therapy did not outweigh the risks when compared with no steroid use. It is important to note that this is a conditional recommendation with low certainty of evidence. The sixth and final recommendation mentions the use of opioid-based therapy and states that in patients with COPD experiencing advanced refractory dyspnea, despite otherwise optimal therapy, an opioid-based therapy may be considered. However, the use of opioids must be evaluated by physicians and patients via a shared decision-making process. The ATS panel agrees that there are some limitations to their practice guideline. The studies assessed the collate evidence did not include certain COPD populations, such as patients over 80 years of age, those with chronic comorbid conditions, and those with COPD asthma overlap, making these highly selective cohorts that may not bear any relationship to the types of patients that you see in your practice. In addition, there are no risk stratification of patients in terms of exacerbation severity or bloody eosinophil counts. Let's also remember that these guidelines are centered around the latest data available at the time of publication. Any new data published after the guidelines have been published will allow us as clinicians to further evolve our thinking around the use of medications for our COPD patients. In summary, the ATS guideline recommends dual bronchodilator therapy as the standard of care for patients with COPD who complain of dyspnea or exercise intolerance. Triple therapy using ICS plus LABA plus LAMA may be considered in patients with a history of one or more exacerbations or in those requiring antibiotics or steroids or hospitalization in the last year. The decision regarding withdrawal of ICS should be undertaken in patients without a history of exacerbations in the past year. On behalf of Dr. O'Hara and myself, I thank you for listening to the podcast about the ATS pharmacologic treatment guidelines.